everyone. Thanks for joining us today on Talking Independence. I'm your host, Evelyn Santoro, and today we're speaking to Simon Palomares. Yes, I've said that. Uh, like, like Lucy Zelich in On SBS. Um, Simon is a comedian, writer and actor well known for his character Ricky in Acropolis Now. His work includes popular comedy shows, Wogs Out of Work, Il Dago and recently uh, The Weekly with Charlie Pickering. Simon has toured internationally in Europe and the Americas as well as directed episodes of Neighbours. And there's so much more I could say, Simon, but um, you won't get a word in if I keep going. So thanks for your time today. Thank you. Glad to be here. I'd love to go back to the very beginning and just talk about your arrival um, in Australia. So you came from Spain to Melbourne? I uh, came from Spain on the 24th of uh, May 1972, just a couple of days before my birthday, my 10th birthday. And um, we arrived at the Enterprise Migrant Hostel in, um, we flew there actually. Um, we uh, were one of the, the first um, sort of plane loads of, uh, of migrants, um, mm -hmm. however. Um, and um, we arrived um, to the Springvale Hostel and then we moved fairly quickly to um, Ligon Street in, uh, in Carlton. Yep. So my whole upbringing in, uh, in Melbourne was very much surrounded by people from all different backgrounds. I mean, we moved into Ligon Street when Carlton was sort of the, the end of the Jewish period. There was still a couple of kosher butcher shops and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And of course the Italians were, you know, um, uh, were sort of moving into, uh, into the neighborhood, uh, before sort of like the, they moved out to, um, out to the, to the outer suburbs. And it was a very interesting time because you had Melbourne uni, you had, um, you had sort of like this, this migrant, uh, vibe, um, with um, you know great coffees and restaurants and and cheap especially cheap places to eat which really attracted yeah. the university students. Somebody mm -hmm. called it the, the the time between Barry's at Melbourne Uni between between Barry Humphreys and Barry Kosky, and um, uh, and there were things like uh, La Mama Theatre. There was um, uh, the Pram Factory. Uh, it was a very really vibrant time in um, in in Melbourne arts and. Um, so yeah, I was very lucky to be to to be part of that. I also went to a, a university high school, which at, at that time was like seventy percent Greek anyway. Um, mm -hmm. but it was also very uh, probably one of one of the best um, public schools in in Melbourne, uh, which I just happened to be in the, the catchment area for that school. We lived in House of Commission flats in uh, in Carlton, uh, which is one of the great things about about Melbourne that we've got this sort of public housing in in the middle of. Um, uh, more affluent areas mm -hmm. and um, uh, which is, you know, it's, to me, it's one of the things that uh, Melbourne has always, always had that it actually, it's, it actually mixes, uh, mixes quite well. Yeah. Um, and, um, and then I went to, uh, to Ruston State College, which was a teacher's college, part of, um, uh, of Monash University uh, at that stage. And um, I was, uh, it wasn't until I finished high school and I started traveling um, around the state and, and getting out of um, Carlton that I realized how Anglo Australia was, quite frankly, because <laughs> I, I really, my whole world was just, was just people from other countries. Yeah. Um, and I just sort of went to other places and went, my God, this is like, you know, there's just like one type of people here. Uh, and especially going to drama school, which was, which was uh, you know, uh, that's where I met George Capinaris and George and I were mm -hmm. sticking out like sore thumbs and in a drama school and um 
uh, yeah, and then from then on, we just started. Uh, there was also a very vibrant um, comedy scene in Melbourne, and we started doing comedy while we were still at at, at, uh, at uni. Um, it was also a very interesting time, um, especially going to a teacher's college because you weren't so focused on becoming an actor or getting an agent and you know that sort of thing. You were actually focused on teaching, you know, teaching kids how to perform and write and all that sort of thing. So we came out with all these different skills. Um, so we came out, we came out not just as actors, but as creators. And, um, uh, and then, you know, we, we sort of started doing, um, shows around, around Melbourne and, and so on. And that led to Acropolis now? That led to the first comedy festival. Um, Mm -hmm. and, um, and part of the first comedy festival, we did a show called Worlds That Are Work. Yes. And, um, and which basically found a big audience. Uh, Walter was, was quite interesting because, because there's a lot of talk now about cancel culture and, you know, people being, we, we were actually, um, banned or had problems with the show in three different States. Um, so, uh, we went from, and the show sort of like became, became a, a runaway success. This it's very weird actually when you, when I, when I look back at the, at the time timeline of this, because. I came here in 72, um, when I was 10. So we're talking about 15 years later. So 15 years later without speaking English. So 15 years later, I'm part of, you know, I'm one of the writers and creators of, of, uh, one of the biggest hits in Australian theater history, um, which we hit this, this market, which had not seen themselves on television or radio or in the media before. And, and suddenly they were coming into the theater. Uh, feeling like they were the only people in their world that sort of like behaved like their family mm-hmm. and suddenly they're in a theater surrounded by a thousand other people. And, and, um, especially the, uh, the sketch about the, um, the two women in the, uh, working in the factory that sort of like touched a lot of, um, a lot of people because it was, it was very much their mothers or fathers sort of, um, you know, have yeah. worked factory jobs. Uh, it was also a time, um, <laughs> a time when we actually had industries in Australia. Um, <laughs> yes. And we basically sold out. We came moving into bigger theaters. Then we moved into the Athenian theater, which was an 800, 900 seat theater. We played there for nearly a year. From there, um, we went to the opera house. The opera house was a, a, a bit of a weird one because we sold out the, the, the studio, the studio, the play, playhouse, I think it is the playhouse at the opera house. Um, and we sold that out for two months, but we weren't allowed to display the name of the show anywhere near the opera house. Oh. Okay. They wouldn't have, because they wouldn't have the word wog. Right. Oh, okay. Yes. Well, we're right. going to talk about that later. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we sold out the opera house for two months, right. but not, we weren't allowed to advertise the secretly, show. You secretly uh, sold out. out. <laughs> yeah. So, so the only time that, the only time that you saw that you saw the name of the show was on the 1000 tickets a day that we were selling. Yes. Uh, and from there we, and then, and then we found a, a, a an old Greek theater. Uh, an old Greek cinema actually hadn't been used as a theater for a long time. It was an old Greek cinema, uh, in Enmore called the Enmore theater. And we went yeah. there and we took that over and basically we were there for about, um, 14, 15 months, something like that. Um, the figures, figures that were just, you know, sort of Lion King type of figures now, um, just, just, just ridiculous, um, uh, sales. And we were doing like eight shows a week. You've used your humor to bring people together and you've made it uniquely Australian because it's not like the audience has to particularly have this, the same background 
as you or as George or any of the people that you, Joe Avadi, the people that you've that you've appeared with, do you feel that the audiences have changed? So as time has gone on, oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. The um, look. Let me let me let me sort of explain. Um, I have a tattoo in my arm there, which says "Ikigai." Ikigai is a Japanese word meaning the reason why you get up in the morning. You know, find that one that one thing that sort of drives you. And for me, and to this day, um, I have to sort of make sure that whatever project I do ties up to that is to find the similarities between people of different backgrounds and different cultures. Okay, which is why something like walks that work, you know, uh, work work for me. Um, Acropolis now, uh, but then even working on a cruise ship where I play to an audience of 10 different nationalities in the one room works for me because it's about bringing them all together and seeing what I can find that, that links them. So in a sense, uh, uh, and to, and to me, to me, the, that's the antithesis of racism. Yeah. Okay. Finding similarities is the antithesis of, of, of racism and the cure in a lot of ways. Okay. That doesn't mean that people have to assimilate to each other. And this is the other thing about assimilation because the people, the people who ask you to assimilate the most are the people who always will remind you that you, that you're from somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, so basically is, is in, in, in actually finding, finding those threads, um, and in doing that, we, we can then sort of like start empathizing with, uh, with each other. So have, have the audience changes in, in some part, in some parts? Yes. In some parts, no, there's a thing. Uh, I think it's also about the human nature is human nature. But through, through your humor, you've actually changed quite a bit culturally the word wog. So we were talking about that before you were saying that they didn't want to have the sign, you know, wogs out of work at at the opera house, but that, that word has changed so much in, in the last, what is it? 20, 25 years. Well, to, to, to our credit, the the word was actually changed officially in the dictionary because after after wogs out of work, they, they added uh, an extra meaning in the, in the Macquarie dictionary, which is it may be used as a term of endearment between certain groups. Yes. So, you know, if, if once in your life you actually get the chance to, to change a, uh, a, a racial slur to a, a term of endearment and have it officially recognized in a dictionary, that's, that's pretty good going. Which is the other thing about, about being Australian. It's like, it's like, no, you actually have to, you actually have to face the diversity of being Australian, not the yes. diversity of your background, the diversity yes. of being Australian. I call myself, I call myself a Melbourneian in the sense that I live in a city that allows me to allows me to to be both Spanish and Australian. Um, nobody has a problem with that. But there was an incident on a on a on a cruise ship that I was working on um, before before COVID wiped the entire industry out, um, where the cruise director came up to me and said, "Simon, we we've had a complaint about your show." And I said, "Julie, really?" The Julie was a cruise director who was also Australian, and I said. And I said, that's interesting because I haven't done it yet. And she, and, uh, and I said, what's the complaint? And the complaint was is that this Australian woman had gone up to guest services with a copy of, copy of the program and made a complaint because the, I was advertised as an Australian comic, but my name wasn't Australian. Yes. Right. Well, that, yeah. 
right? What is and, an Australian name? Well, this is this is it. This is it. But the thing is, the thing is, obviously, she lived in a part of Australia where where you know this this was actually an issue for her and not accepted. So um, uh, so the makeup. I mean, every city in Australia is made up in a different way. It started a different way. Um, we're also this this um, weird. Um, uh, what a weird social experiment we are. You know, we are, we are this place that that the one this other country on the other side of the world decided to to take its entire uh, penal po- population, Christian population, and dump it into another. It's like. It's like if America just took everybody who's in prison at the moment and just dumped it in Mars now, yeah. just came back to 200 years later and see what happened. Uh, and uh, so we, and, and of course, different cities in Australia developed in different places. Some developed as, as penal colonies, some developed as um, landed gentry. Um, and uh, and then you've got places like Darwin, which, is, which has been a mixture of sort of, you know, People, yeah. I mean, I mean, I think, I think that one is definitely one of the most, most multi, truly multicultural um, places in Australia. And then, of course, it's it almost almost feels like um, uh, like a South Pacific um, city in a, in, in a lot of ways with the, with the mixture of cultures that it that it has. Um, so I think we also have to to accept that that there is a diversity in being Australian. That, um, well, that was my next question. What does it mean to be Australian? Well, here we go. Um, I think we 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 are to to go back to the the phrase "the lucky country," mm-hmm. which is continuously being misused by politicians that haven't read the book, mm-hmm. um, uh, because the lucky country refers to the, the from the original uh, book, the lucky country, which was a book about how uh, we are lucky that we haven't we haven't pilfered and, and spent all our resources. Because this country is so rich that that you know um, economically we have been uh, dreadful, awful. Um, but the country is so rich we haven't literally spent the whole inheritance. Um, and then, of course, that brings me to the dislocation with our past, which is Australia is an adolescent country that doesn't speak to its grandparents. So we have this truncated 200 year history mm-hmm. where we really have, you know, a 60,000 year history. Yeah. And you've got to understand that people who, that people who see themselves as having been in a country, and I've spent a lot of time in, um, in Peru and around the, the Machu Picchu area um, with, uh, with people who could open the door and, you know, look at their, their culture you know, two, 3,000 years back to know that, that people have been able to stay there uh, for such a long time. So to know that, to know that you, you actually belong to a place, right? Um, people find it very hard to believe that, that uh, in 1967, we had a referendum where white Australia was asked to vote to give um, citizenship to indigenous people. Yeah. Um, and that is not ancient history. That means that if I had been an indigenous person here, I would have been five years old, but that also means that my parents would have, would have been, they would have spent their whole life not being treated as full citizens in their own, in, in their own land. Mm-hmm. 
right? Mm. Okay. Um, if Australians make, you know, made amends with the Aboriginal background, it would actually probably be, will, would do, would be a big favor to white Australia mm -hmm. because then white Australia will, would actually feel that, uh, that they belong to a, to a place, to a country that has been here for, for a long time. If you look at everything you've described about Australia and, it, and all of our, um, and the image and what it means to be Australian and our history. And do you think that image fits in with, um, the current British monarchical system? Um, uh, well, the image, the image does because, because that's what we've been hanging on to. And do you think maybe, um, if we were to finally say, well, let's, uh, unshackle ourselves of this monarchical system, do you think that might bring people together? I think, I think what we, we need to, we need to tackle both, you know, we need to, we need to look at the, the past and the future at the same time. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and we need to, and we need to, um, uh, yes, be a Republic and be, be our own country. And we have to embrace all the other facets at the same time. And then that would be the country that, that, that move, moves forward. Um, yeah, the fact that, that we've got the, the flag of another country on our flag is just makes us look childish, literally childish in the, in the eyes of the world. Um, I have, you've done lots of satirical pieces on the weekly with Charlie Pickering. Do you feel the leaders today on both sides reflect uh, what it means to be Australian? Uh, I don't think Australian leaders reflect anything except, except, you know, a few people's vested interests to tell you, to be honest. Mm -hmm. We also got to got to got to break the, the the shackles of of uh of a media monopoly as well you know these are the things that have to have to break up because um you know otherwise we just keep keep voting for the same thing thinking that we're making a free choice a, a, a democracy with with the press that we've got in australia is a, is a facade of democracy okay because you actually have gotta gotta be able to make a choice you're gonna be able to make make a well-informed choice and be able to um, to have people that, uh, that can have some level of critical thinking and, and be able to make choices like that. Something that came up in the last couple of days was this thing that, uh, I think Albanese got, got figures wrong when he was asked yeah. the question and all that sort of thing. Anyway, so the press sort of like went, went, went to town on it and yes. so on and so on. And then, and then somebody else com came, came out, uh, and I can't remember the politician's name. Uh, when somebody tried to do it to him and said, and he just looked at the, at the, the, at the journal and said, mate, just Google it. Um, <laughs> and, uh, which I thought was a great answer, but he then went to make a really, really great point, which is, which is, this is, this is what their elections are, are, are basically bogging down into, which is just trying to catch people out, right. Instead of actually, uh, asking people, what is your vision for the future? Where, where is this going? And this is the thing. The, the phrase that I always come back when it comes to leadership is that uh, a good leader will take the people where they, where they want to go. And a great leader will take people where they need to go. Yeah. Right. That's not always an easy task and that's not always a popular task. You've been everywhere. You've, you know, you've done your stand up shows in Spanish overseas. You've, you've been to uh, Canada and the U S and um, Spain and Argentina doing your mm -hmm. stand up. Yeah. yeah. So, 
in those moments when you're when you're there, are there any uniquely Aussie moments that you sometimes think, well, you know, I am so Australian. Here I am doing this, but but this I, I view life in this certain way, which is just because of the, my construct or the, the fact that I come from Australia. Um, yeah, you know, it, I think it's one of the luxuries of, of, of being bicultural in that sense. Yeah, because it's, it, it works both ways, right? Mm-hmm. You, when people say, "Well, you can only do it this way," you know, you can you can also say, "Well, actually, in other places they do it this way, and yes. it works over there." And you know, you know what? I this is what I like about Australia. There are things things work in Australia. It's like you know, it's like and. And for all our brash, brashness and so on, there is there is a politeness about Australians, you know. There is a there is a um, you know a, a, a good eye, and, and as much as you sort of like, sometimes it's just like just cringe at some of the of the stereotypes. But um, you know, there is a, there is an openness. I think some of the myths that we buy is that we are a laid back society. I think if you want to be, I think if you want to see a laid back society, you should go to a country that has to sleep for two hours in the middle of the afternoon. <laughs> That's a laid-back society. That's a laid-back society, yeah. I do find um, when you do business with Australians, you sort of start with a, uh, from a point for a point of trust, right? Yeah. And I know that trust is a very big thing for, uh, for uh, it's a different thing for different people, but there is a sort of yeah. level that, you know, we sort of, uh, we might be fooling ourselves. We might be fooling ourselves, but, but you know, um, when I go to Spain and uh, and people go, um, you know, just make sure you keep your eye on your wallet when you go there, or you know that sort of thing. Uh, people who come to Australia and they, and they can't believe that that people are, are are walking around with their phones in their hands, right? Yes. Which is something that you can't do in, in a lot of other places. Yes. So you, you know, we sort of we sort of comfortable enough that that we uh, for our safety, you know, yes. and we've taken measures for that. You know, we've had we had you know, one of the most um, conservative prime ministers that we've had um, in, um, in Australia in recent times, um, uh, who took away, who, um, who took away um, uh, automatic um, guns in that way, our social, again, with this pandemic has changed, you know, the way that we see that, but in some cities more than others, um, that, uh, you know, some people tend to be some cities tend to be more individualistic um, than others. And I think, I think the pandemic has actually shown that. I think that maybe moving towards a, um, a more, a system where we're seen as one. And I think a Republic would probably change a lot of that slowly um, rather than this is where I'm from. I don't, you know, I'm used to seeing ethnic people or I'm used to seeing an Aboriginal community or I'm used to seeing this. It's not about what we're used to anymore. It's about, kind of talking in one voice and people in Western Australia will have the same sort of um, outlook as somebody in Melbourne or somebody in Darwin. Um, I just feel that we're very, very fractured because of the hi- the latest history, the latest history, which is what you said, yeah. that very short 200-year history and yeah. how it's formed in different spots. Well, I think, I think what we haven't got is that, is that, is that, um, uh, that pinnacle that, that joins us together. What is it, what, what is it at, the, at the very top? you know, of the, yeah. of, of the Australian and spirit that, that joins us. Personally, that, that would be a republic, for me personally, because yeah. that, you're starting to take away some symbols there, you know, symbols of a family, 
um, that is widely accepted that is superior in blood and breeding over anybody else. And you think, wow, that, that sounds a bit, for me, sounds a bit odd. You know, my ancestors fought against a dude who thought he was superior and he was going to, you know, have an Aryan race going on and wipe out people that he did, you know. And I'm not saying that royalty is, um, gets to that extreme, but that's the basis of why it exists, you know. Mm. And to have that as our head of state in Australia. So we start with that. And then we've got everything else that, like you said, that we have to tackle in terms of who we are, our image, um, the fact that we haven't reconciled with our 60,000 year history. It's, it's like in any, in any good relationship, it's sort of, it's sort of you got to be, or any, any good family, you got to feel that you're part of a group. You got to yes. feel that you're part, part of a group, but that every, every individual in that group is actually propped up by, by the group. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, the first thing we've got to get rid of is, is, is phrases like, if you don't like it, leave. Um, because I can't, there, there's no relationship of any type of relationship with, with that works. Right. Um, so in that sense, in that sense, you know, that basically means my way or the highway. Yeah. If you don't like it like that, then you gotta, then you gotta leave. Um, so in that, in that sense, that's, we, we have to, we have to change that, those, that's that language. Um, to make sure that we're inclusive. What is still, see, there's the whole thing. There's the thing about <laughs> the thing about, about, um, and, and a lot of, and a lot, a lot of the, the, the political correctness is, is based on this, right? Which is, which is, we have to put this, this, uh, law together or we, we have to make, uh, make sure that these people are protected. Yeah. But that's also, that also reinforces the fact that you have the power to protect yeah. them. That's right. right. Yeah, no, that's okay. Right. Yeah. right. Yeah. It's like, it's like men saying, it's like, it's like men saying, you know, we, we have to protect women. It's like, how about, you know, we make sure that they don't get attacked. However, we don't get, they don't get abused. And how about we actually lift them up so that, you know, yeah. they can actually have the, the, the power to do that. And the same, and the same thing with, 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 uh, uh, ethnic groups, uh, LGBTQ community everywhere else. Right. Everywhere. And, yeah. and every time, every time you, and that's the whole thing that that you know the people the people who the people who banned wogs that are work were people who were who were trying to protect ethnic people, right? Because we got into these massive arguments with with uh, the Department of of uh, Corporate Affairs in in Sydney uh, wouldn't let us register the name as a business, right? Mm -hmm. So we would go there and go and go. Well, why can't we register the name? Oh, because it's a, it's a name. It's a it's a word that's um uh that's offensive to uh, to certain groups. Okay. Um, and we go, which sort of groups, you know, groups of, of Mediterranean descent. And we go, they're the ones who are, who are buying a thousand, a thousand tickets a day to come and see us. Right. Okay. And be in a room together with other people of the same background. Right. Uh, but you are telling us that we are offending them. Okay. So, um, and, and of course, what you, what we were always fighting for against was, was this idea that somebody would, you know, and we were going, don't defend us. We're good. We're good. We're actually doing, we're actually doing something that's actually, that's actually giving us a, you know, the, the, the independence and, and the confidence to, to rise up for ourselves, you know, uh, and we're doing it and we're doing it in a way that you don't like because you don't think is right, you know, and this is, and this is the thing about, uh, whether, whether you, um, you're talking about, um, you know, what sort of work are you talking about rap music or, or something that has developed in its own culture, right? 
Um, and then people saying, oh, you can't use that word. You can't use that. It's like, you know, it's, they're the ones who are making the, the decision. Um, all you have to do is, is just provide a society that actually uh, encourages people to, uh, to rise up and, st- and stand for themselves. You know, people have to be able to, to feel confident enough to actually fight their own, their own battles with, within, uh, within a society. Well, Simon, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Uh, this podcast is all about Australians who have made a positive impact in society, and you have definitely um, done that, you've, you've, and you've done it in a very unique way and a profound way, particularly for people of uh, different backgrounds. So thank you very much for taking time out of your schedule, particularly since at the time we're taping this, you're currently performing at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival, aren't you? Melbourne Comedy Festival, and going off to... Um... Uh, going off to Europe soon to um, yeah. to do some more stand up over there and uh, um, and I'm also working interestingly enough I'm also working for the Montreal Comedy Festival Just for Loves uh, because they the Just for Loves Comedy Festival in Montreal works on two languages English and, and mm-hmm. French and now they're also moving into Spanish as well so we we I'm working with them to sort of open up oh, that's the uh, Latin American when you're off to Montreal. Uh, I'll be there for the festival in July. All right. Excellent. So for our listeners to learn more about the movement and upcoming events, you can visit the ARM website on republic.org.au. Simon, to find out more about where you are, where can we go? Um, anything Simon Palomares at, uh, on um, uh, Facebook or um, Instagram. Instagram. Okay. Thanks again, Simon. And please join us anytime. And um, thank you very much. It's been great. It's been a fantastic episode. Thank you very much. Thank you take care.